Oh, hey. How's it going? Pleasure to make your acquaintance. I hope this message finds you well. If you're here listening to this right now, you're probably looking to hear some podcasting. Well, you've come to the right place. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Braylon Thomas, and this is my podcast, The Harmonic Trajectory. In this podcast, I will be sitting down with my friends from Belmont University, the school I attended, as well as other youngins and newcomers in the music industry who I have befriended along my own journey. And we will be shooting the shit, of course, because that's what you do on podcasts. But I'll also be discussing with my guests their upbringing, their journey, how they got to where they are today, what they've learned, crazy stories, as well as advice that they have to pass on to the future generation of legends. And I decided I would make this uh, sort of you could call like a pilot episode to um, sort of talk a little bit about myself, give my life story through the lens of my musical journey and sort of like talk about how I got to where I am right now. So it all really starts at Scripps Hospital in La Jolla, California, which is kind of close to San Diego, on March 27th, 1998 at 7.28 a.m. That is when Braylon Anthony Thomas, myself, was born. Uh, I lived in California for a little bit under a year. Um, My family, which at the time was my mom, my dad, my older brother, we moved to Indiana just before I turned one, um, probably because it was like a little bit cheaper to live there, as well as um, my dad's mom lived kind of close to Indianapolis, and it was just a good way for him to be closer to her. So yeah, that brought us to Indiana, specifically Carmel, Indiana, which is a um, suburb like 30 minutes north of Indianapolis, the capital of Indiana, and that is where I grew up. That is where I was a kid. That's where I went to preschool, elementary school, middle school, high school, all of the above. So, um, I'm thinking about it. Um, where did music start in my life? Well, um, I was raised in a very musical family, not in the sense of instruments, but just a love for music. Um, my parents loved music. They love concerts too. And I got a great um, musical palette, you could say. Great musical taste from their own tastes. Um, let's see. My dad was really into... So he was, he was a kid slash like a young adult in the 70s. So he was really into like... Pink Floyd, um, Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, to name a couple. And uh, my mom, she was a youngin 
living life in the 80s. So from her, I got like ACDC, Cheap Trick, The Rolling Stones, to name a couple. Um, oh, also uh, Bob Marley from my dad. He was really into reggae. Um, so yeah, um, both of them started things off right with my musical taste. Um, and I'd probably say like when I really started to get into music was around like first or second grade, I got an iPod Nano. And yeah, the iPod, what an invention going from at the time having either music accessible to you in your car where you couldn't choose the songs and you just had to hope for the best you had that on one hand or like cds and records where you had to listen through the entire thing the entire album which is not bad i love albums but just going from that to having any song you want on demand at your fingertips I just think that's such a crazy invention. It's amazing. And yeah, I had an iPod and was bumping lots of sweet stuff. So all the all the things that my parents mentioned, um, a lot of like uh, the pop songs of the 2000s. I was really into Pink at the time. She was and is great. Um, loved Green Day. Um, so around the time American Idiot came out, great album. And... I'm trying to think what else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bad Day by Daniel Powder. That was one of my favorite songs of all time. And, you know, it's 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 still up there. But, yeah, it was just kind of like how every kid has their song. Um, Bad Day was my song for sure. So, yeah, good, good times. Simpler times for sure. Um, so, yeah, there was that. Um, I kind of just like listened to whatever my parents listened to for a while. Then around like third or fourth grade, uh, I kind of became the metal kid. I was the kid wearing skull shirts, skull jackets. I grew my hair out. I was edgy. I was throwing up rock signs and pictures. Um, and yeah, I started getting into like... Slipknot, Disturbed, and Linkin Park especially. Um, yeah, Linkin Park was like the first band that I ever um, stand. And uh, to anyone who doesn't know, a stan is like a diehard fan of anything. Um, the term was coined by Eminem in his hit song, Stan. So yeah, as I was saying, Linkin Park was the first band that I ever stand, that I was ever like a huge, huge fan of. And to this day, um, it's still like some of my favorite music ever, especially the first two albums, Hybrid Theory and Meteora. Both of those records will never get old. And especially Hybrid Theory. Um, if you ever want, I will I will sit down with you for like a good hour or two and discuss um mostly from a subjective standpoint <laughs> why hybrid theory is the best album of the 2000s but anyways um so yeah i went from that to uh, in middle school rap music came around um and yeah at the time i was a huge lil wayne fan 
my parents hated it, but I loved it. I was also really into Eminem, and like I thought it was the shit because it was just blasting those songs, playing Modern Warfare 2 day in and day out. Again, good times. Um, but yeah, that was my experience with music um, in the early days. Um, now, instruments, they, they come in around this time. So I play a few instruments. I play piano which I've been playing for about 16 years now. Um, been, I took lessons from, I took lessons throughout my childhood starting in first grade um, at a place called Meridian Music in uh, Carmel, Indiana. Um, my teacher was Jennifer Campbell. And Jennifer, if you're hearing this, um, hope all is well and the time spent with you was so much appreciated uh yeah i i really liked the piano um so i would have weekly lessons and then um at the end of the year um jennifer my teacher she would have a recital of all her students and it was always so fun the whole family would be there and uh, it was just a moment to uh, showcase what I've been doing for um, like the past year. And yeah, the recitals were always so much fun. Um, for a while, I kind of just worked out of the the books. Um, and my, my teacher was, um, she mostly taught like classical music. And that is what I learned for a while but um eventually i got to a point where um i was like watching youtube videos of people playing songs or just like trying to listen to songs and like imitate it and learn it until i got it right and i also did this a lot with um guitar which i have been playing for a while now um I had a couple of guitars throughout elementary school and I would like dick around here and there. Um, but I started taking lessons in seventh grade from my um, general music teacher. Um, that, that was just like a basic music class that was offered in middle school. And uh, that teacher was um, Jason Aaron Coons. Um, not sure where his music is out at the moment, but he has his own music that you can check out. Uh, Mr. Coons, if you're listening to this, hope you're well as well. Um, also appreciate the time we had together um, in that goofy class back in seventh grade with all my goofy friends and our time uh, learning together individually. So, yeah. Um, okay, circling back to piano... Um, so I learned like classical stuff for a while, but um, eventually I uh, was really into like learning a lot of the um, songs that like my parents showed me from like the classic rock times. Um, I, I learned a lot of Journey songs, a lot of Queen songs too. And actually my my senior recital, my last one, I played We Are the Champions, which... Um, I just think was absolutely epic because it's for starters. It's such a good song, so much fun to play on the piano. And, um, it's, it's such a, it's such a finale song, such a closing song. And to have it at my final recital was oh so fitting. So yeah, that was great. 
and um, guitar, circling back to that, um, I took lessons with Mr. Coons for a good while. Oh, and then actually uh, something else I should mention, um, an- another another musical influence I'm thinking about, and actually um, artistic influence as a whole, was my grandma on my dad's side. Um, first name was Mary, but uh, we called her Grandma Cupcake because she made the best cupcakes I've ever had. And I'm only 10% saying that because she was my grandma. Like, I don't know, just the the icing is just so, so thick and so um homemade. Like, you'll you'll know what I mean when I say that. There is there there's just a level of authenticity that homemade desserts reach that you just don't get at the store. So yeah, we we loved her cupcakes, but um yeah, Grandma Cupcake was um she 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 was a painter and um she she was very active and independent uh despite her age and really like um you know, went against the precedent where like you're kind of just supposed to sit on your ass once you get to age 60. Like she was moving around, she would um you know, spend, spend time with us as children, like very little children when my parents were at work. Um, like she would pick us up from preschool and take us to steak and shake, take us to the zoo, take us to the children's museum and take us to the, um, nature center at Eagle Creek park, which is, um, like a nature area kind of near Indianapolis. Um, and yeah, through through all that, um, we'd be bumping lots of tunes in the back of her Oldsmobile, um, specifically a lot of uh, Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. Great music. And yeah, she was just very, uh, very musical, showed us a lot of great music. She was an amazing painter. And I don't know, I, I get a, I, I feel like I get a lot of my artistic eye and uh love for art and um like lust for experimentation from her and for that i thank her and so yeah those were some of the earlier points of inspiration um now going to going to high school is um sort of where things picked up a little bit um I had a couple of points of involvement that I think were very um, quintessential to my development and my um, later interest and involvement in audio engineering and live production, which is what I went to Belmont University to study for. So um, reminding back to freshman year of high school, um, I... I was in this program called AVID, which stands for Advancement via Individual Determination. Now, what this program was, it was uh, it was just like an extra elective as far as like class time goes. Um, this class was for students who got good grades, you know, like, you know, like A's, B's, C's, um, but, you know, still needed that like extra helping hand with like organization note taking study habits um 
And we we did a lot of that in class. We did the um, Cornell note-taking format, which if anyone doesn't know what that is, that's just like a lot of annotation. You ask questions about your notes and you write a summary of it at the end. Um, it was a chore, but ultimately it was good. And um, ooh, uh, <laughs> touching on school for a second, um, I was a hard worker. I got good grades. My parents instilled in me the value of getting good grades and at the time i i mean i i i understood like i knew oh if i get good grades i will get into a good college um i mean at, at the time i had no fucking clue what i wanted to do whatsoever but i just knew the grades were important so yeah i was i was a good kid i was pretty studious um but yeah, Avid, um, assistance with learning, um, note-taking. Uh, we would have these like weekly tutorials where we would get in groups and bring in questions from our classes, and we would have the groups help us out, and we would help each other. Um, and the class was also very helpful with uh, the college application process. So we would um, write our college essays, and they would get graded, and we were supposed to... Um, you know, apply to X amount of colleges and it was for a grade. Um, we had to work a certain amount of volunteer hours and that was a grade. Um, so, so yeah, our, our grade in the class was just being a well-rounded student and taking the time and taking the steps to make sure we learned well and had our workflow down. And actually, you know, another part of the class which I actually where, where I was going this whole time um, was uh, we had to get involved in at least one club. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. But my mom said to me that um, uh, so we had we, we had these neighbors growing up uh, across the street. Um, one of them, their name is Brent. He was like a couple years older than me. And he was involved in my school's uh, backstage technical crew for um, their performing arts program. Now, uh, my school, which, by the way, was Carmel High School. Um, yeah, Car Carmel High School has a wild performing arts program. It is um, pretty huge, like huge ass auditorium. Uh, we also have like a smaller like studio room. Um we would have like two plays in the fall semester and then a big um a big holiday concert which was called holiday spectacular all the choirs were in it big ass stage big ass construction crazy lights holly jolly decorations the whole shebang and then uh, spring semester, we would have a couple of plays, a lot of choir shows, which, by the way, uh, Carmel has a couple of crazy um, choirs, show, show choirs, you could say, that are pretty well revered. Um, one of them being the Ambassadors, uh, the other one being uh, Accents, uh, Scalba, to those of you who know. Um, anyways, um, yeah, both of them did... Uh, competitions and would go around everywhere on the national level and even uh went to europe one time so yeah i'm and i'm, I'm going on tangents right now but um you know that's what we're supposed to do on podcasts it's supposed to be very open format but yeah 
well-revered performing arts program and with that a well-revered technical crew program so yeah I, I talked with brent about it and um yeah i don't know it piqued my interest i don't know what exactly um i guess i've always been into technology um I loved messing around on computers as a kid and I've always loved video games, especially with computers. Like I, I was really into PowerPoints and I would always make crazy PowerPoints about things I was interested in and it was a whole lot of fun. And yeah, I think, I think that definitely planted the interest seed for tech crew. Um, I didn't really know what I was getting into, but, um, it was interesting and I needed to do it for a grade. So I thought, why not? And yeah, I remember it was like, it was a little strange at first finding my way around it. Um, it, it was the, the, the people in it were definitely characters and everyone, um, everyone dogged on each other very hard. Like, I, th I think like when you get close enough with someone or group of people, um, that that's just what you do. You talk shit, you mess around with each other and you know, I, I think it's a beautiful thing, but I didn't get it at first. And like, um, when, I, when, when I was little, I wasn't really a dogger or a shit talker. And I don't know, I kind of, I kind of misinterpreted that for bullying and like being mean and, um, you know, got it misconstrued a lot. Um, but, uh, no matter. Um, but, you know, with that, as I mentioned, like people who dog on each other, they're like very close. And yeah, this was like a very nice, nice group of people that uh, welcomed me in with open arms. And it was a lot of fun to be around them. And yeah, so what we did in Tech Crew, we constructed the sets. We had like a whole shop with wood and tools and everything we would construct the sets and then we would be behind the scenes keeping the show afloat, whether it be running lights, running sound, stage managing. Um, there was deck crew, which those are the people who um, take things on and off stage, um, sort of like the, the runners, you could say. Um, you know, there was fly crew, which they're the people pulling the battens that make the curtains go up and down. So yeah, we were the backbone of the shows and yeah, it was, um, it was a little hard to manage that with school. Um, like great grades were always my number one priority, no matter what. And yeah, it was, it was difficult to have to spend like two hours every day after school constructing. And then when uh, showtime came around, like four hours after school rehearsing like getting home at like or like get, getting there at like 3 p.m after school and then staying until like 9 p.m sometimes later and having to get done all my homework and like get a decent rest before 6 a.m when i had to wake up um so it, it, it was hard to manage um but rest assured, um, it was such a good experience that I cherish. Um, first, first of all, great group of people, uh, so, so many characters, so many jokes. And, you know, we we all deeply cared about each other. And this was also a lot of like very um, 
gung-ho, strong work ethic people. And it was very inspirational to me and wanted to, and like, you know, seeing them work hard and grind at the stuff they were interested in made me want to do the same. And it was just like so fun and so rewarding to be like working together for days, weeks, months on a production and, you know, to see all our hard work come to fruition and just like let it rip and, you know, just to see the happiness in everyone in, um, you know, our ourselves, just like that, like, yes, when a show goes pretty smoothly, um, the actors doing the same as well as, you know, praising us for our work, um, just the parents and the families loving every second of the show. I don't know. I've I've always I've always loved putting in the time, the work, the hours on a production, a project, and um, you know, having that having that blood, sweat, and tears just go off at the end. And it's always such a celebratory, victorious, satisfactory moment. And I loved getting that through tech theater and yeah, just like working together on working together with people on something. And I think that like, even though I didn't know it at the time, I think that really planted the seed for my love for live production. Um, so yeah, shout out tech theater, amazing times. Um, I, uh, I wouldn't say I was, the best like there, there there were other people who like was like the sound person the lighting person but um oh I, I was for sure a team player um i i liked it i wanted to be there i wanted to put in all the time that i could it was hard to balance that with um school sports i played a little bit of basketball and then um school of rock which is uh the next uh seed that i'm gonna go to but i did what i could was a team player got what i could out of it and it was great all right so now fast forward to sophomore year school of rock the next seed that grew into where i am today um so for anyone that doesn't know, School of Rock, um, first off, it's a movie that Jack Black stars in. Uh, he's a teacher of some sort, and he teaches kids rock and roll. And um, so School of Rock, it's a real thing. And what it is, it's a program for kids to get together and play instruments. It's a beautiful thing. And we would have like different themed shows maybe like three a year um we would have weekly rehearsals and then we would have like private lessons with an instructor and then um we would have a show after like maybe like a few months and um yeah i, I guess like carrying on that feeling of working with people on a project for a long time then letting it rip um so yeah, I I started School of Rock my um, sophomore year of high school. Um, at the time, I was still taking private piano and guitar lessons. But um, you know, actually, something about that, I um, I was actually very shy when it came to music. Like, I would really only practice when no one was home, 
And um, yeah, I would just stop if someone walked in. I don't know. Like I, um, it was a combination of like, um, I've, I always kind of like valued my privacy. Um, I've always been weird about like doing something in the, ex- like do- doing something while in the presence of someone else. And, um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of kept that shit to myself and my parents hated it. Not, not in like a mean way. Like they understood, not, not in a mean way they understood, but they really wanted me to let my talents fly. And, um, yeah, so they, um, I, I went to a couple school of rock shows and like, they talked to me about it and I was like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe, um, still like I was, I was still like on the fence about it. Cause that involved like playing music in front of other people, which was like one of my biggest fears. And then one fateful day, this was like January of 2014. They said, Hey, so we, um, enrolled you into this like little, like, two-day day camp at school of rock and uh yeah you're going and yeah this um this sent me off my rocker and yeah it was a it was like a rough hour of you know me being like fuck no i'm not fucking doing that and them being like yeah you're going and basically i don't think literally but basically dragging me to the car and yeah just rough like screaming like no 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 like almost crying probably was crying and uh yeah i I got there and it was like too late at that point i had to i had i had to get through the program had to get through the day had to had to play in front of people and it was like we were doing like learning about blues and having to do improv which improvising and like jamming is another thing that isn't really my it it isn't really my style um i i kind of more like to i like to have a goal in mind and work towards that um which is it's probably why um electronic music production which is my third instrument comes so easy um like I don't know. Coming up with things on the fly is kind of hard for me. Um, but, um, and like, I don't know, maybe, maybe like that's why, um, I wasn't really too like particular to like just playing in front of people. Um, like uh, electronic music, why, why I liked it was cause, um, r- rather than just like, you know, kind of going aimlessly, it was, uh, it's, it's almost like, painting a picture um because you you have a goal in mind and you know you take your time and you tweak things you adjust things and you really like tune into the fine print and you make sure that all these different parts are working together and um it's just a culmination of things that comes into a final product and i think there's a lot of beauty in that and it's probably why um, electronic music production is my favorite when it comes to instruments. So, yeah. But anyway, circling back to School of Rock. Um, yeah, by <laughs> by the end of the day, when I came home, my parents were like, oh, so how was it? And I was like, yeah, that was pretty great. That was pretty lit. So, yeah, I I stuck around. I, I did School of Rock for um, the last two years of my high school career. Um, did lots of different shows. And all, all the shows were like different themes. Um, like we, we did like a heavy metal show. It was called Bring on the Heavy. We did 
there was a show called hipster rock which is like indian alternative rock um i i wasn't in this one but there was a show called the color show which so it was like songs and artists with color in the name so like jack white for example so yeah, just a lot of fun themes and then there were also a lot of like band tribute shows um a couple of my favorites were um there was a kiss show and there was a lot of great things about this first of all kiss's music is so much fun to play uh we got we all got to paint our faces of like our, our respective instruments so um all the bassists painting themselves as a gene all the um guitarists painting themselves as Paul Stanley and all the vocalists painting themselves as Ace Freely. I was Paul Stanley. And, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. We got to play at, um, Deluxe at Old National Center, which is like a 500 person venue, but a lot of big names roll through there. And it was so cool to play there and it was so loud. And, uh, yeah, another favorite show of mine was The Who another band whose music is so much fun to play um we also had like a very we had a good crew um great teacher um his name is dave lawson dave if you're hearing this hope you're well um oh uh, another shout out um joe strakus he was my um private guitar instructor um a lot of great uh, Saturday mornings jamming with him and learning oh so many guitar tricks. Um, guy, the guy's a very very good guitar player. Um, like really knows his history and it's just like really cool to learn about the greats and just learn about everything from him. So Joe, if you're hearing this, hope you're well. But yeah, the Who, great show, great crew, very fun. Um, Eminence Front was one of the songs I was on. That's one of my favorite songs I've ever played in a band. Oh, I could I could jam on that song all day. Uh, Led Zeppelin was another good show. That was my final show. Um, that one was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, Led Led Zeppelin. All of there's just so much. There's a lot of tropes with each. Um, member of the band and how they play and they all they they all have their own like unique flair like whether it be like robert plant's voice or the way john bonham drums or like jimmy page the and like um i, I wish i could speak on the other ones but i can definitely speak on jimmy page because i was a guitarist um but just like his his guitar playing was so uh, messy and sloppy, yet it came out so well. Um, and I just love that. So yeah, Zeppelin show was good. And then ooh, another good one. Um, we we played at Summerfest in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which Summerfest is one of the biggest music festivals in America. Uh, I I don't know if that's like size or lineup, but it it goes for like two weeks. So it's pretty big and big ass lineup. But yeah, um, so uh, us, along with all the other school of rocks in America, because it's a national thing, we all congregate there in the heat of June and we bone. OK, we don't actually bone, but we throw down. Um, yeah, we, we got to play on all the different on a lot of the different stages. Um I forget what exactly it's called. I think it's like the Marcus Amphitheater or something, but it's like the second biggest stage there. 
maybe it was the BMO Harris Pavilion. I don't know, but it was like the second biggest stage there. And we got to play there in the afternoon. It was like the same stage where the Flaming Lips was playing later that night, which was really cool. And um, we also played at, uh, there's this place called The Horny Goat. And I got to lean in for the mic for this. If you know, you know. So yeah, the, the Horny Goat was, you could call it the pre-party for Summerfest. So all the School of Rocks are there. And it's just like a, it, it's it's like the equivalent of like a, a back-to-back DJ set. Just back-to-back performances we all go off everyone's moshing up front it's just like um it it was like the first one of the first um truly amazing crowd experiences i've had and then uh another another talking point another thing about me and like part of my musical development um i love live music i love concerts they are amazing um there's just so much magic in seeing your favorite music and your favorite artist in real life up close in person and just the energy and the power of being in a crowd and seeing the lights. It's something. But yeah, School of Rock, it was lit. And yeah, I was also... Um, okay, okay um, one, one, one more thing about School of Rock, I should say... Um, so, uh, everyone's different to each their own, but I don't know, like be- before school of rock, I was kind of a, I was kind of a vanilla kid, like kind of mainstream. You could say what wasn't really, didn't really come into my own. Like I was kind of wearing what everyone else was wearing. I liked what everyone else was like. Everyone else liked, I was doing what everyone else was doing. Then, um, come school of rock, I kind of like branched off into my own way and i was like um up up until then listened to a lot of like pop and rap music which was great but um school of rock definitely opened me up to so much good music um like that that's when i became a huge zeppelin fan um really got into kiss and the who because played in their shows and that's also when i um became really into rage against the machine um yeah funny thing about school of rock a lot of the, a lot of the kids there were rage against the machine stands they fucking loved them and rightfully so i love them too still do just i i love the i, I love the rock sound mixed with funk mixed with rap it's just quite literally the perfect mix. So shout out Rage Against the Machine. And yeah, like I, you know, I was, I was wearing like American Eagle and Sperry's before then, but then School of Rock happened. I was wearing Janoski's and black jeans. Um, was growing my hair out again. It's really like kind of becoming my own person. And that autonomy was amazing. And yeah, um, uh, Okay, so yeah, all all that was happening. Um, started going to concerts. Oh, okay, yeah, let's talk about concerts. Um, so live music was great, and um, that that's another thing my parents did. They um, yeah, they they started taking us to concerts very early on. Like uh, one of my first concerts was Gwen Stefani. Um, I was like ten at the time. 
Which which was really cool, by the way. Um, Akon opened, and then uh, Lady Sovereign, who's this like British rapper, she's like very raunchy, but fucking bad bitch. Um, I don't know where she is now, but her music was great, and she's awesome, and probably gonna bump some of her after this podcast. Um, yeah, that was one of my first concerts. Um, I'm trying to think of some other early concerts. Ooh, uh. So let's talk about my first crush for a second. Avril Lavigne. She was one of the first crushes of mine. And I saw her and the Jonas Brothers. They went on tour. And I left halfway through the Jonas Brothers because I got what I needed. Got to see my girl. And boy, it was awesome. Um, some other early concerts I got to go to was ACDC. Um, I remember getting to leave school early with my family. We went up to Chicago to see them on the, the black ice tour and it was awesome. ACDC, um, they have one of the best live shows ever, ever. Um, so much, so much pyro, so much stage antics angus young despite his age he's the guitarist by the way he's still got it um he fucking rips it and yeah that was good and i thank my parents for making me a concert fanatic so early on kept going to a lot of concerts um and yeah we can we we can talk about edm at some point but yeah i started i got into that at some point but um we'll, we'll we'll get to that later um so right now also, damn, we're at 44 minutes and we're still talking about I, I was thinking this was going to be an hour long, but whatever. We're talking anyways. Um, so um, now we find ourselves. Uh, well, first, we find ourselves drinking coffee at 110 in the morning. But um, back at the time, we find ourselves around the beginning of senior year of high school. It's time to start thinking about what do I want? to study what do i want to do when i'm older where do i want to go to school what's uh what, what's after high school and not that i wasn't thinking about it at the time like i don't know i just like i genuinely did not know and uh yeah it was i i i couldn't i couldn't figure out what i wanted to do for the life of me and my parents really kind of had to nudge me into the direction that i needed to go in um so they, they kind of asked me what I liked and, uh, you know, I said like, oh, I, I like music. I like technology. Um, put those two together. What do you get? Music technology. Um, that translates into, or I guess for us, that translated into audio engineering. So we um, looked at a bunch of audio engineering programs throughout the U.S., uh, some of them being uh, Indiana University in Bloomington, uh, the Jacobs School of Music. Uh, there was Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis, which is downtown Indiana. Uh, we were looking at DePaul University in Chicago, um, UNC Asheville in North Carolina, and then also um, UC San Diego had a they had some audio engineering program. That one was my top choice at the time because um, kind of where like all of our heads were was um, where, where where the Thomas family was. Um, we we had the California dream, the California gold rush. Um, 
we all ultimately wanted to end up in California one day. And uh, just because, like, it's where we're from. That's where, like, my mom and dad met each other and fell in love. And, you know, we're young together. And it's just such an awesome state. And that's where we ultimately wanted to be. And with that, UC San Diego was my top school choice um however i ultimately didn't get in um so it was like 30 percent acceptance rate um so i didn't quite make the cut um and yeah a lot of a lot of these other schools um their their audio engineering programs were very um prestigious and competitive and hard to get into and you needed to like have a huge portfolio and have already like you know done like I've already had audio engineering experience and like you had to like submit your own projects, your own musical creations. And this was before I was even writing at the time. Um, I, I did land an interview at Jacob's school of music, um, but ultimately did not make the cut. Uh, I think they have like, I don't even know how many applicants they get, but I think like 60 or so get an interview and for the program i was trying to get into which was recording arts just audio engineering i think like 15 people per class get in so highly selective and um that and like none of this is chronological but um just like kind of going through process of elimination and um i think the only other one i well okay i, I applied to unc Asheville. i got a whole application together in and uh you know wrote some essays on synths and uh recorded some guitar stuff uh reluctantly like i, I didn't really it was kind of funny like my my dad knew what i needed to do for these applications like i needed to record stuff and make a portfolio and i just thought it was making no sense and uh, so, something funny about my dad um he um and uh, I, I I'll be saying was um I guess when I talk about him because he uh, unfortunately passed away a few years ago um that uh, that's a whole can of worms but um yeah he um some sometimes he wasn't the best at communicating things and myself and like a lot of and like my family members like sometimes thought that like he was like full of shit and just like saying stuff but he he was right a lot of the time and like he, he would also like sing stuff and we would be like dad that's not a real song but lo and behold it was a real song and yeah he, he was a very smart and intelligent person and with uh with my college applications he he knew what i needed to do and he knew the direction i needed to go in and uh yeah i i, I appreciate him for um yeah doing that and even though i didn't get into these programs you know at least trying so yeah that with process of elimination that brings us to Belmont University. And for anyone who doesn't know, Belmont University is a private school in a private Christian college, I should say, in Nashville, Tennessee. It's like uh, about two miles from downtown, which is very nice. Um, the school is renowned for a lot of things it's landscaping it's buildings the rich tennessee history um its nursing program is pretty big but also naturally being in nashville tennessee big music city its music school is really good um and um the the program there that i was looking at was called aet audio engineering technology and uh they, they also have a really good music business school 
Um, so yeah, I, I think like the top three majors there were nursing, music business, and audio engineering. And obviously I was going for audio engineering. And um, yeah, I remember the website was not that great for the audio engineering program. So I didn't really get that much info, but Belmont was a part of the, the common app, which, um, the common app was, uh, it's sort of like a one-stop shop college application. Um, fill out one application. There's one essay prompt. Um, a lot of different schools are on it and you can like fill out one application that you send to a lot of different schools, which I think is pretty great. So, yeah, I don't know. Belmont was on the Common app and uh, was free to apply to. So I just thought, yeah, fuck it. I'll apply. Um, Got in because 80% acceptance rate. And also, Belmont was the only program where the audio engineering program was the only one where I didn't have to apply to. I instantly got in, which was great. And um. You know, I, I think that went a long way and I appreciate how the program, I, I appreciate how the program, like, um, it's meant to start people from scratch. Like you can, you can go into it, not knowing anything about audio engineering and come out, um, uh, after four years and land a kick-ass job wherever kick-ass career, I should say. I don't really like the word job sometimes, um, but yeah, it was just really cool and perfect for me since I didn't really know too much about what goes on behind the scenes of song creation and yeah, I didn't really know much about sound engineering. So it was great for me. So uh, yeah, fast forward to fall of 2016. Uh, yeah, as you probably figured, Belmont was where I ultimately, sele- ultimately selected. Um, and yeah, at, at the end of the day, it... Um, I think in in hindsight, it was definitely the best choice for me, despite uh, these other programs maybe being more highly known, highly revered, and like you had to like, or highly selective, but it was just like ironic because despite these program, <coughs> despite these programs of the other schools being so highly coveted, um, this one that I could just waltz into was in nashville tennessee which is the one of the music industry hubs of the united states and um to my luck a lot of the professors are people who have been in the music industry for decades and still are and um you know it's like chances are that you know these professors that you have in class you know could land you um a foot in the door in the music industry and yeah just like being there in nashville and being around all these professionals who are so connected to the industry um yeah i was i was in the right place and uh yeah so freshman year all right so freshman year i was a fetus i was a young boy a small fish in a very big pond. Um, yeah, fr- freshman year. Um, so there we, um, freshman year was when we took all the gen eds, um, got those out of the way. And a lot of those, a lot of the audio engineering classes we took were very, um, introductory. Um, like, you know, there was like, I took a history of recording technology class, um, also like a 
survey of music business class. Um, there's also like an intro to digital audio workstations, which those are the computer softwares that you use to record music, make music, mix and master it, the whole shebang. Took that. I took a critical listening class, which that was a class to get us to train our ears to like know like what we were listening to when we hear a song, like what's going on with the the balance the the frequency balance the dynamics the again if you know you know that's kind of how the frequencies sound for those of you who don't know so yeah, it was just very um introductory and um it was a little bit nerve-wracking at first um so like for starters, here I am going by myself five hours away from home. And um, there there were actually like uh, seven people in my graduating class who went to Belmont. Um, but a lot of them were like acquaintances. So I was really like going down there with no close friends. And yeah, it was it was intimidating at first. Like he- here I am in this whole new place with new people and... Um, I got to take with me my fear of playing in front of others. And yeah, it was like, it, it, it was hard for honestly throughout my freshman year. Um, like not only did I have that and like, even though I had my instruments with me, I still like really like kept to myself. Um, like here I was with like a lot of people who were already like very deep into their craft a lot of songwriters who've already like written and put out songs a lot of people who already know about audio engineering and were even like doing it throughout high school so even though we all um you know got into these programs on the same page like i i still felt like i was like leagues behind um but um i i kept most of my um strong work ethic Uh, i did well in my classes um i I don't know i feel like i feel like i got a good grade more so than i actually learned stuff but um i I did what i could um i didn't really have trouble making friends um i was and still am a partier um love loved going out loved that life um kind of kind of did that a little bit more than I would have liked to. And it, it bit me in the ass at one point. And so, yeah, that, that was my freshman year, just getting like the college experience, um, meeting friends, going out the nightlife, sex, drugs, rock and roll, you name it. We got it. Um, but yeah, that was, um, I, I wouldn't say it like stopped ultimately, but like as, as time went on, it, it fizzled out. Um, so, uh, come sophomore year of college, um, the classes got a little bit more advanced. Um, we had a class called audio one, which that was like the introductory studio recording class. Um, we got to be, and which um okay touching on another great thing about belmont university that i don't know if i would have gotten at the other schools um just the access we had to equipment and experiences so starting on equipment um 
you know, for our audio classes, we got to we got to have them in some very famous studios, such as um, there was a uh, oh man, I'm blanking. Uh, there was a uh, I forgot it was like RCA or Columbia Studio, but um, it was a, a studio on on Music Row. I I know the one I'm talking about. It's it's not like it, it's not fuzzy. I know the place. I just don't know the name. So cut me some fucking slack. Um. But yeah, we we got to work on uh, Neve consoles, SSL consoles, and uh, we also got to be on. We also got to take classes in Ocean Way, which is a very famous studio. Um, and yeah, it was just like crazy the access we had, and um, just like so, some of the experiences we had, like. I got to have internships. Uh, I had a couple internships throughout my time at Belmont. Uh, one of them being in a big recording studio where some big names come through, as well as I got to intern at a um, light and sound facility. This was specifically uh, Morris Light and Sound. Um, it's now uh, acquired by Solotech, but I got to. Um, so yeah, there, there was uh, the studio and turned out, which was Starstruck Entertainment. Um, yeah, had had access to crazy consoles, crazy recording gear. And then uh, with Morris, I got to um, work in a warehouse. And like what we did was we um, we were the ones who we would get an order for a show package or tour package. So that's all the the lights, trusses and cables. And we would prep the order so putting cables in boxes putting lights on trusses getting things organized to be shipped out on trucks and then getting it back when the show was done and taking it all apart and organizing it um i even got to assist on a couple of uh lighting gigs um one of them was really uh interesting uh i got to um work lights at a um tennessee titans game and we um we, we set up lights in the tunnel that uh, the players run out of at the start of the game. And I, I just thought it was so interesting. Like it, it just, it, it goes to show you like the depth of different jobs that you can get in this field. Um, there's just so much different things you can do. Like, especially with um, audio engineering, you can take that knowledge and experience and run with it, whatever, wherever you want to go. You can, uh, you can work in a studio recording, mixing, and mastering records. You can be a live sound engineer, so setting up the speakers at a setting up the PA at a concert and being at the console running the sound. You can work sound and motion picture. You can do sound for video games, which I'm particularly interested in and want to do. There's just so many different areas, and the world is your oyster, and I think that's so cool. All right, now um, going back to where we were. So we find ourselves at um, sophomore year. Um, as, as I said, uh, ran myself into a corner with uh, the nightlife and kind of thought like, okay, this isn't going to last forever. I need to, I need to find some interests. What, what do I like? What do I want to do? Um, and at the time, I was beginning to get into um, electronic music production. Um, I'd messed around on GarageBand for a little bit, but, um, around like October of freshman year, um, a friend of mine gifted me Ableton Live, which is, um, one of the, one of the superior DAWs. It's in like the upper echelon. It's my, my personal favorite DAW. 
Um, I just, uh, I, I love the stock effects. I love the stock instruments. Um, the layout is very simple. And I don't know. I, I love the like modularity of it, I guess. It's all like super customizable. Everything moves with ease. And it's just, um, I don't know. A, a lot of, I, I kind of see like, I, I know like every like DAW is the same, but I kind of like see different purposes for each daw like i think that um i i think ableton is the essential daw for the um electronic music creators just for its um its effects and uh, your ability to use effects creatively and like some of the instruments and how you like practically have um your hardware instruments so like your synthesizer drum machines like you practically have that in ableton so i think that's great um i think that like fl studio or fruity loops as some might call it i think that's like the premier um like hip-hop and beat production daw um it, it's just like it's 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 like sequence sequencing layout um and it just like the the way of like recognizing music percussively and like as, as a beat and as like a loop of a beat i think it's like it, it serves it serves that purpose well um i feel like pro tools which is the industry standard and in the daw that we learned throughout belmont i think that I, I i feel like that's like the premier studio engineer daw it uh it, it's very like it's it's not as like modular like movable around flexible i guess you could say is ableton um it feels like stiff and secure like a console um and just like i don't know everything kind of looks like it does on a console and uh, fuck I, I wish i had more to say but it's just like pro tools just really feels like a console and for that reason i think it's excellent for recording and mixing oh also um i i love the i love pro tools shortcuts I think Pro Tools has the best shortcuts and like it's it, it's so possible to like use your keyboard the whole time when on Pro Tools. And I think that's so cool. But anywho, um, back to where we are sophomore year, uh, began getting into music production. Uh, a friend gifted me Ableton Live, which uh, that friend was my friend Jake. Um, he he makes music under the name Sleepy Psycho. Look him up on SoundCloud and um Jake, if you're listening to this, um, a, a few things. One, hope you're well. We will kick it one day. Love to have you on the podcast. And um, hope ho hope you're still going at it on the Ableton. I uh, see I've seen your Snapchat sometimes, and I'm I'm eager to see new music from you. So uh, yeah, best of best of luck. Hope you're still going at it. Um, so uh, yeah, I guess. Oh, fucking blank and here we are again um I, I i guess i'll touch on um electronic music production and uh sort, sort of where that came in um so edm electronic dance music the club the bass the flashing lights i love it um but it's it started for me so i um i think a lot of people kind of started at skrillex that's where I started. Um, actually, fu funny enough, this was like back in like eighth grade, maybe. Um, I knew who Skillet was, but 
um, someone showed me Skrillex and I thought it was Skillet and I was just like, what the fuck? I thought this was a rock band. Why is this like electronic music? But it was pretty cool. And I, I just like loved how like, uh, I, I don't know. I wonder like, so I was listening to like rap for a while. And, like, I don't know. I, I wonder if like, I, I liked how like it was sort of like an ode to like the metal and rock and roll that I liked back in elementary school. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I liked it. I, I, I liked the energy. I loved how like crisp everything sounded. Um, it was like really cool. Um, shout out Skrillex. He is one of the greats. And yeah, I, I listened to Skrillex. Um, I also knew Dead Mouse a little bit, and um, I knew Bass Nectar as well. Uh, good riddance. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, yeah, I, I knew Bass Nectar. My parents saw him at a couple of music festivals, um, which actually is kind of funny. For a while, uh, my parents saw Bass Nectar more than I did. Uh, and uh, I, I only got to see him twice, but um, it, it was still enough. For, well, not not an, not like enough. Like I, I could have totally like seen him 10 or 20 more times but um i got some i i got some good shows before um he uh stepped down from his position rightfully so but uh that that's for another story um but yeah i i, I sort of knew electronic music and then uh circa 2014 um i went to my first electronic event and that was I was like, holy shit, it's 138. Um, went to my first electronic event, and that was the Indy 500 Snake Pit. The greatest spectacle in raging. So, okay, context. The Indy 500 is the greatest spectacle in racing, and this is um, a yearly race that happens at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. This is the one thing Indiana is famous for. Um... And yeah, it's 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 a yearly race. It's IndyCar, which I think is a type of car. I don't really know too much about racing, but um, yeah, it was a it was a yearly tradition on my dad's side of the family. They they grew up in Speedway. We went every year. Um, for a while, I didn't go. I didn't want to like sit in the hot all day and watch cars race around. Um, I would just go to my buddy Grant's house and we would go swimming at his pool. Um. Which, uh, by, by the way, this is like, that has nothing to do with the music story, but um, I always, always got to provide context. Uh, yeah, Grant was my, uh, was, is my uh, childhood best friend. We met in like first grade and we're still going strong. Uh, Grant, if you're hearing this, hello. Um, yeah, good times. But uh, yeah, I started going to the Indy 500 eventually. And um, so at the Indy 500, you have the stands, you have the racetrack. And then you have uh, the infield, which is on the inside of the track. And the infield is just party central. Everyone goes here to tailgate to get shwasted. Um And um, it, it started as like a little event. Like you'd have a stage, you'd have an MC, you'd have people going on stage to show their tits. And then eventually that turned into a giant EDM event and um the the stage has gotten bigger over the years and today it's like the size of like a high caliber festival and 
it's it, it really is a special time like it starts at 8 a.m and goes till 2 p.m the end of the race and oh man i went <clears throat> i went like four times um and it's 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 just such a good event you get up so early you fight the race traffic you find a good spot you you bring your cooler you hide what you need to hide in your pants you get through the gates you find a good spot um and you 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 just dance all day and you have a great time with your friends and then depending on your energy you go home and that good time continues um but anyways yeah snake pit um it's a uh high caliber rave happening at the same time as the biggest race on the planet um lot seen like a lot of big names there uh from like dylan francis to marshmallow to rl grime to skrillex to zed's dead the list goes on um but yeah my my first snake pit my first edm event was 2014 um i went with my older brother adrian and his friend mark who is a dj and um still going at it today under the name matsu um check his stuff out um he put out a new ep this year very great it's especially great if you love house music and mark if you're hearing this shout outs big ups hope all is well would absolutely love to have you on the podcast one day but anyways yeah the three of us went and yeah we saw dylan francis uh love dylan francis so funny Good music too. Shout out Moombatone. But yeah, it was uh it was cool. I loved it was hmm. It was an energy that I had not felt at concerts before. Um for starters, the music was louder than at other concerts. Um and just the energy, it didn't stop. It was a non-stop energy, non-stop party. It went on and on. And it was just so much fun, so fun to just jump around and let loose and all of the above. And yeah, kept kept going to raves, um, went through the journey of EDM music and oh God, I said EDM music, fuck. <laughs> but uh, EDM went through the whole journey, went from uh big room so that's like a mix of like house music and trance i guess to uh trap which trap was really cool when it first came out and still is it was like oh my god these are just like instrumental rap beats but like a little bit more gritty and with these like crazy moving synths and it was just really cool and yeah i went from big room to trap to um return back to dubstep when it came back around circa 2016 um i was like really into excision still am and excision is the the dubstep daddy if anyone doesn't know and um i was like oh we went on a tangent oh i'm, I'm just i'm talking about my journey through electronic music um so yeah um kept going to shows and um so around 2016, uh, the summer of 2016, um, I went to Bonnaroo for the first time. Bonnaroo is a music festival in Manchester, Tennessee, which is about an hour south of Nashville. It's been going on since 2002. 
it's on a farm and it's one of the biggest festivals in America. You get a very eclectic mix of all music. I I would call it okay. So different festivals serve different purposes. I think that like oh also Bonnaroo is a camping festival. Um, I I would call Bonnaroo um like the the camping festival for the ultimate music fan. So if you're someone who loves all music and like you know doesn't really have too much of a niche then Bonnaroo is good for you you're going to find you're going to find something there and it goes all night which was another thing I loved about Bonnaroo when I first heard about it um and yeah I just like I I'd always wanted to go because like I remember hearing about like my cousin going like getting to see someone like Lil Wayne and at like one in the morning that just sounded surreal to me and uh my parents went a couple of years before I did. Um, so they had these friends. Uh, one of them was named Mark Clark. Mark, if you're listening to the po- this podcast, hello. Hope you're well. Um, but Mark worked with this company called Pacvan. And uh, Pacvan, they um, leased uh, like RVs and trailers to people. And um, with that, uh, Bonnaroo is a huge cash cow because uh, you can like camp in an RV there. So like because of their services, they got some amenities. Um one of them being they got to camp in the special camping as well as get um, these like artist wristbands that it's basically like access to the whole festival. Like uh, if anyone's seen Wayne's World, if you remember that part where Wayne and Garth are flashing their uh, credentials everywhere and just like getting to go wherever you want, that's basically what the artist wristband is like. And I got to have it one year and yeah, it was pretty glorious. So uh, yeah, they... Um, they got these artist wristbands and special camping and um, invited my parents for some years. So they, they went to Bonnaroo a couple times and I was morbidly jealous each time. Ugh, I'm still mad they didn't let me go those first two years that they went. Ugh. Um, But yeah, I, I'd wanted to go and... Um, you know, 2016, I was a senior graduating high school and, uh, yeah, they, they let me, they let me go. Um, so yeah, I went with, uh, my friends, I went with, uh, my brother, um, some of his friends and then, uh, one of my high school best friends and, um, yeah, we, it was super cool. So my brother and his friend were, um, doing something for, uh, they were, they were doing some like radio thing and, uh, we got, we, we got to camp in this like backstage camping. Uh, so for, for my Bonnaroovians, we were in the guest camping behind the witch stage. Um, so it's like shaded trees, um, like a two minute walk to the festival grounds. And yeah, it was, it was epic. Um, we got to, <laughs> The first night we um, had this crawfish dinner um, and it was basically this giant table and they like fried these crawfish. They either, like steamed or fried some crawfish and just dumped them on this table and we got to eat them with our hands like a bunch of Vikings and barbarians. And I felt like a goddamn king and I was I was high as fuck, you know, come to think of it. I think I was high as fuck the whole time at my first Bonnaroo because no one really cares. It's a safe space to express yourself however you want without disrespecting or offending others. 
And yeah, that, that, was, that was one of my ways of doing that. So yeah, just like high as fuck eating all this crawfish. My mouth was burning, but it didn't matter. And yeah, it was just, yeah, Bonnaroo was absolutely glorious. Um, I loved so many things about it. Um, for starters, it was a nonstop party. Um, we'd wake up in the morning, smoke a bowl, hang out at our campsite, meet our neighbors, um, explore the festival. There, there was a lot there. It wasn't just the music. Um, there's a lot of like art installations, various activities. You could do yoga. There's a giant water slide. There's a Ferris wheel. And um, also like such an eclectic mix of artists. Um, like some, some of the people I saw my first year were like um, LCD Sound System, Dead and Company, Tame Impala, Tyler the Creator, M83, Zed's Dead, RL Grime. Um, man, like the list just did not, the list just doesn't stop. It's just such a diverse lineup and like the music starts at 12 PM and, uh, like the main, the main stages end at like 3 AM, but there's like smaller stages and surprise shows that go until sunrise. And like, I remember the first night, um, we got to see like a Grizz surprise set. Um, we, we were going back to our campsite and, I opened up Twitter and like I saw Grizz was saying like, oh, playing at Calliope, which is this, uh, it's a stage that's kind of like a moving bus and it's gone to like various festivals. So we just like booked it there and we got to see Grizz throw down at the stage just like on a whim. It was really cool. But yeah, so like those are like a couple things that are magical about Bonner, just like the, the nonstop, nonstop fun, the diverse lineup, just the all, the all night music. Um, and it's such a um it's such a safe and open space to express yourself and be who you are and uh i've gone to bonnaroo four times now and it's just uh, there's just a feeling you don't you you aren't like thinking about what the person to your left or your right is thinking of you you just like do whatever you need to do you let loose and you just are who you are. And I see like, it, it's just such a, like the, the crowd is like such an eclectic mix and like so many different people. And you like make, you can make friends with anyone and it's super cool. And yeah, also like, I don't know if it was a combination of like Bonnaroo, but I think also the weed, because, uh, as, as all musicians and all people probably assume, uh, Weed is great for creativity. Um, it's not the end-all be-all, and it's not the only option, but it is an option. And yeah, I was like, it was strange. So like the, the combination of like <laughs> the weed and the Bonnery magic, I was like thinking about all of these like rhythms and bass lines and was feeling the music and I was like feeling it in my brain. I was feeling like the energy of the artists and I don't know. Music festivals are like kind of different than like a tour or a concert. Like if you're, if you're at a tour or a concert, you got to like kind of dress nice. You got to stand up straight. I'm talking like from an artist perspective, but, um, you know, I, I know music festival, you're kind of just like being you, you can like, and I really felt it in the artist's energy. Everyone's just like relaxed and having fun, you know, like barefoot, just like kicking their feet up, relaxing, 
doing what they please. And I don't know. I, I just think that like, I don't know that that magic and that freedom and I don't know something just like also like the, the, the whole like late night thing, like the nonstop music, there was some like beauty in like, um, like the power and invincibility and like the limitlessness of music and love and excitement and adventure and euphoria. And I don't know, just, I wonder if like all those things struck a chord and, you know, mix that with like my, my love for like projects as a kid and like working on PowerPoints and, um, I, I would also like, I don't know. I would even like dick around on like we had like a keyboard growing up and I had this like toy guitar and I was even like dicking around on those things and like making art before I even knew I was making art. And uh, that sounds like a little pretentious, but trying to explain it to the best of my ability. And yeah, like EDM, like EDM is kind of like all of that on steroids and I don't know. I, I wonder if like that's what I loved about it. And also like el- electronic music production, like as I was kind of talking about earlier with like um, like b- building a project from the ground up and like paying attention to detail and like building something up to eventually be let loose. Um, that's kind of how electronic music production is. And I, I, I really, I liked that. Like, I don't know. I'd, I don't know as much as I love like guitar and piano like I I don't know I'd I'd almost rather like be like a good uh songwriter and be able to make make stories and make cool sounds that captivate the mind and the soul rather than being able to like rip a cool solo and look cool and get chicks because that's what guitarists do there's like not nothing wrong with guitarists and I'm kind of talking down to my ass cause it's like 2 AM, but yeah, I, I guess that's, that's just what I liked about electronic music. And, um, yeah. So getting back to where we were with the college trajectory, um, also I've, I, I gotta say of, of all the, of all the podcasts I've done, um, this is probably the best I've done at like getting back on track, which is very impressive even for me. Um, but yeah, so come come sophomore year, um, I was really getting into music production. I was like really like figuring out Ableton. It kind of took me a while to um, really master like Ableton. So learning curve, I still don't know what that means. And I don't know if a steep learning curve means you like it, it's like really hard to like understand at first. But once you understand it, it's really easy to learn or like vice versa. But Ableton, it took me like two months of messing around before I can make anything happen. But once I sort of knew what, um, like what would happen when you clicked X button and just like knowing how everything was connected, um, it was game over at that point. And I was, yeah, just like banging out ideas left and right and so much fun. And I also dabbled in photography um, I'd kind of always had a photographic eye growing up and it was like really good at it and I wanted to get into it more. So for, for Christmas, my sophomore year, I got a DSLR camera, the Nikon D3400 to be exact, um, saved up all my money from working at Target 
for over the holidays. Uh, that was one of my jobs growing up. Shout out Target, but also not shout out Target. And yeah, I got a camera. That was really fun to explore that whole avenue. Uh, I took a photography class. I have a photography account on Instagram. It's a Braytography. That's B-R-A-Y underscore photography. Check it out. Some great stuff on there. Some great colors. And um, yeah, I was doing all that while also getting more into the um, audio engineering side of things. And um, yeah, just like finally like coming into my shell, the passion and interest for crafts and hobbies was there. And um, yeah, the, the exploration happened for a while, but I think like junior year was when I really started um, coming into my shell and like getting really good at things. So um, one of the classes I took junior year and like quite possibly one of my favorite classes at Belmont was audio two. So this is uh, the advanced studio recording class. Um, you know, like in, in this class, um, we had a song that we had to, um, so like the first assignment was recording it and like mixing it on a console. Then we had to do, um, some overdubs and then we had to do like an in the box mix, which that's like working entirely on like a digital system. So like no, like studio console included. And, uh, yeah, that was a really cool class. I was like really like getting good at the studio side of things. I was beginning to gain confidence and all that. Um, music was coming along. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll touch more on music a little bit later, but yeah, so all of these things were happening and I was also really getting into live sound. Um, so doing, doing sound at concerts because, um, so kind of how, um, navigating through the working world of audio works, um, like the two, the two main paths that people might take are you either go the studio route. So like working in a studio, being there for like the creation process of music, or you go the live sound route. So working at a concert or venue going on tour and, um, yeah, and in, in this in this day and age, um, so like working in a studio, um, in 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 ways, it's like kind of a, it's it's kind of a hobbyist gig, but it really is like a freelance kind of job. Um, like you're, if if you're if you're a studio engineer, like you're your own business, you're your own brand, and you kind of start by. Um, you know, doing mixes for people, building your own portfolio, and um, you kind of like build your studio over the years, you know, like acquiring parts, acquiring gear, acquiring the space, the acoustic treatment, and yeah, it's uh it's it's a small it's a small sector and it can be competitive and it can be hard to um find your place in, which is why um live sound is really good for finding a job and everyone would say oh live is where the money is and it really is because um like with, with tours and big shows it takes a village and you need a lot of people and um yeah there, there's like a lot of areas you can work in in live sound you can go on tour you can run sound at a club you can run sound at a bar on broadway 
can run sound at like a small like intimate venue um yeah it's just like a lot of different options and it's much easier to find a job in that area than to find a job at a studio um so that's uh, that's sort of where my mind was when it came to jobs um and yeah so i um i worked at well i, I did a couple of jobs so one of the jobs i did um i worked at i worked with belmont the department's called event services so in that department um we event services is like coordination of events and like we so we like uh set tables um set staging it's like running tech support um so i i did that throughout my time at belmont and i still do it um but um one job that i had junior year um i was an audio guy at um boulevard record shop which was um a record store on campus um so i I worked in like the retail sector so like uh working at the cash register of the record store but i was also um a sound tech there like they would have uh shows every weekend um so a small small pa system ran sound on an ipad which was pretty neat um but yeah, I, I did that. Um, got got pretty good at it. Learned how to. Um, I obviously got good at, better at mixing. Learned how to work with others. Learned about show planning. Learned how to deal with uncooperative artists. Um, and yeah, it was it, it was a really fun crew. Um, we were a little bit batshit crazy, but. We had fun. We held it down. We did good work. And um, if anyone here is listening who worked at Boulevard Records with me, if you know, you know. But yeah, that, that was really cool. And that was sort of my introduction to live sound experience. Um, so then uh, the the next thing I did. Uh, so I worked at Boulevard all of my junior year. Um, then I interned at starstruck entertainment which is a big recording studio and um i also had one of my favorite college experiences uh my junior year which was uh getting to run a front of house for the belmont showcase now what showcase is is it's a concert series at belmont there's like two or three per semester Uh, it happens in the basketball arena but it's basically a full scale concert it's 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 like the equivalent of like a tour that would go through a basketball arena just about um like that that size if just like to give like a picture for like kind of like the general listener so showcase it was a full-scale concert that student artists got to play in and um students would get to be a part of the crew and like we we basically were the ones who like put the stage together and like ran the show whether it be like on like the front of house console stage managing being the uh system tech so like you're the person who um sets up the system like designs it tunes it um there's like monitor tech uh, which uh monitors in uh the live world you're the person who controls what the artists hear either like on stage or like 
in their ears if they're wearing some like in-ear headphones um there's also lighting and uh yeah i there there were some live sound classes that we took um and then uh, advanced live sound which is like the advanced live sound class basically what it is basically uh, in the title um we got to work showcase and so we all we draw rules from a hat and we're, we're allowed to switch if we want and i i chose i right off the bat picked um stage manager and that was the one thing i didn't want to do um just because like uh I don't, I don't know if stage managing is my thing it's like a lot of moving parts and you know the the stage manager doesn't really have room to like crack or freak out like you're the one like driving the ship and you need to like stay composed and focused and uh just, just like wasn't my vibe and um yeah, so I found someone else who got front of house and they were actually eager to get rid of front of house. Um, yeah, it was kind of funny. Front of house, which uh, that, that's like the main sound guy. You're the guy on the console uh, mixing the sound and it's what everyone hears. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of people didn't want front of house just because like, you know, ev- everyone's looking at you and like anything that goes wrong, you're the first person that people look at. And um, if, if an artist isn't happy with something, you're the first person that they get mad at. So naturally, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's it's a tough role, but it's it's what I wanted to do. Um, I, I saw it as like the most, um, I don't know, the, the most like quintessential role for like learning how show production works. So yeah, I, I, I took that up and I got to be the, I I got to be the guy at the console for the big show. And, um, yeah, it was, um, it, it was definitely a grind, um, learning a whole console in like a matter of a week, um, dealing with the pressure from the artists, the crew, my teacher. Um, yeah, it was, it was a tough first with some yelling involved, but eventually like found my footing um got the hang of it and yeah it um ultimately was like a very cool very rewarding experience um it's sounded pretty decent ultimately um i got to run sound for um some of my friends uh one of the bands being um our brother george um they are not not making any more music at the moment but um music is still up everywhere for all to listen definitely check them out a very great southern rock band and yeah that was very cool live sound was going great um also at the time music was going great and um i joined a little club called um edm club and this was like started so belmont had a facebook group and this was just uh started on a whim someone posted like hey who would be interested in starting like a little edm club and obviously i responded like fuck yeah i would be down and yeah it was it ended up being a really cool thing um so at belmont in nashville tennessee it's it's a country city um so my my style of music that i liked and that i made was the minority and um you know there's a lot of misconceptions about electronic music and people think it's just like pushing buttons and especially like just like pressing play like in a dj setting but like it's 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 a whole lot more than that and um i also like didn't really know i only knew like a couple people who like to go to shows and um you know even even then like we like different genres and 
yeah the the edm club was special because not only did i find a group of people who were like-minded and a group of people to go to shows with but i also found other people who produced and before that i didn't know anyone who made uh bass music and stuff of the dubstep variety which is what i made and yeah it was like really cool to be able to meet them and you know make music with others yeah it was a it was a beautiful thing a highlight of junior year so oh, over the summer i i kept doing the thing kept working on music um worked at spectrum sound incorporated which is another uh production facility production warehouse um worked there that was really cool and um yeah so senior year came around um i had that internship at morris that i mentioned and um with with senior year um huge feeling of impending doom huge feeling of impending oh my god this this college thing is almost over i need to like figure something out i need to like figure out what the fuck i'm gonna do to make money like i need to i I haven't even thought this far ahead and like i really like i really i really didn't know what i wanted to do and like i knew that i was going to be a sitting duck once i graduated so yeah it it was kind of time to like really explore the passions and kind of figure out what i wanted to do and yeah one of my interests was lighting um yeah I, i really wanted to explore that because i hadn't yet um it was interesting because i found out that like it was kind of niche um or a lot more like sound techs than lighting tech so obviously there was a market or like a need for lighting um so i hopped on that and um yeah i had a lot of uh various experiences with lighting from interning at morris to um there's this production company called uh, Jag Warner Productions, um, started by another uh, Belmont student. Um, worked a couple gigs with them. I got to run lasers at an EDM show one time, which was really cool. Then um, I worked at uh, next semester, uh, my final semester, I worked at Massey Performing Arts Center, which um, that is the performing arts center for the the school of music at belmont so any like recitals or like big shows um we we would be the crew there and like kind of like in the vein of showcase it was like really like a like full scale experience like they're like a huge console huge uh sound console huge lighting console they had a console backstage for monitors um or stage managing um it, it was like once again um another like really cool opportunity with like yeah just just like a real like practical hands-on experience that was like available at our fingertips which was really cool so i so yeah i did impact because it um seemed like i guess the next logical step in my journey coming off of working at morris learning about lights um i mean it was like here was another uh, entity that i could involve myself in and basically like continue where i left off as well as um take it to the next level and um it was uh it was sort of a tough decision at first because uh, it was an on-campus job and 
obviously with that, um, the pay is an ideal for uh, making rent and paying your utilities, which um, I was living off campus at the time. Um, lived off campus like the second half of my college career. And like that's when, you know, I really had to like keep myself afloat. Um, so it was it was tough. It was a tough call, um, but I knew that the experience would be invaluable, and boy, was it! Um, yeah, I, I I got there, and I was also interested just because like um, a lot of uh, a lot of my peers and my professors were saying that like, oh, you haven't been an um, audio engineering student at Belmont if you haven't worked at MPAC, and um, boy, were they right! It was. Um, it was really, really cool. Like, um, yeah, as, as I was saying about um, Showcase, it was it, it was basically the same thing as, you know, like having such uh, access to like such like the the real world behind the scenes production experience on like a slightly smaller scale. But yeah, it, it was like it, it was like very easy to um, go around and step in all the different shoes. Um, got to do front of house a little bit. Uh, got to do monitors a little bit. Um, there were even some like plays, and I got to run spotlights. And yeah, I also got um, some great lighting experience. Um, I got to learn under the main lighting person there. Um, and yeah, I just like I really took advantage of the opportunity and um, for once tried to like put myself out there and, you know, declare what I wanted, which was like learning how to design lights and program and, you know, run the show. And I would um, like and any time I would have between classes, um, I, I would like try to go there and like get some practice on the console. And yeah, it was it was really great. I learned um I, I got really acquainted with the the MA software and I got to have a lot of fun and uh, do some like really cool design. Um, yeah. And lighting lighting was and is really cool to me because um, in a way, I feel like I'm part of the show and like my like my creative and our creative or artistic vision is like on the stage for all to see and i don't know i think like between like lighting and live sound um that's like part of why like i like lighting more like with live sound i feel like there's like a formula and a a telltale way to like make it sound good and once you accomplish that then it's accomplished which uh not nothing wrong with that to each their own but i i think that lighting is so much more special to to me um there's just so much more room for creativity there, there's like a certain like feeling of connection to the the show that's being displayed and the show that like everyone is seen and everyone's getting moved by and um, like the, 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 the computer was in me, like re really loves how lighting works and like, it's like super, it, it's, it's a very like modular experience in that you can like really like customize the, at least on the MA software, you can really like customize the interface to your taste and to your workflow. And yeah, it's just, 
it's just it's just a whole lot of fun to like you know experiment with different designs and different um, presets and layouts and workflows and I don't know I I just feel really as I said connected to the artistic expression that's going on and um I don't know also like the concert fanatic in me and especially like the 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 raver in me finds deep connection in uh the lighting because I've always I've always been so fascinated by a crazy light show crazy laser show and yeah that's that's definitely why I love lighting so now we find ourselves um, towards the end of senior year, towards the end of my college career, um, March of 2020, and um, yeah, all all this uh, all this really great stuff is happening. Uh, like here I am at MPAC getting uh, this great lighting experience, learning how like lighting design and programming works. Um, was in some like other lighting classes and uh, i remember one of our projects was to do like um we did do like a minute long uh programming for a song of our choice and i remember i did like a cool like time-coded thing to uh g jones's song that look in your eye and um he's like one of my favorite artists of all time it was just like really cool and it like kind of i got to like showcase my skills as a designer and yeah that that was happening and it was the time to be um, like talking with teachers and, um, you, you know, like asking them, like, you know, what's what, what's next after graduation? And, um, you know, it, it was the time to be like networking and getting those like first gigs lined up. And um, music was also getting pretty serious for me. Um, I was trying to finish an EP and like. You know, one of my goals was like to put out a piece of music before the end of my college career. And uh, at, at this point, like I had all the songs created and just need to to mix and master them. Um, like graduation was coming up and I was um, d definitely on a high from that. Just like a accomplishment, like fuck yeah, I made it. And like, I had a huge victory lap lined up for that summer. I was going to go to Bonnaroo, was going to go to Electric Forest, uh, had tickets to see Rage Against the Machine on their reunion tour, which um, by the way, I have like a few, or I have like a Holy Trinity bucket list. And one of those things is seeing Rage Against the Machine live. So like, yeah, all these, uh, all, all these things that I've been like dreaming about and working towards were like finally lining up and coming to fruition. And um, yeah, it was like awesome. And I couldn't, I was just so excited for the future. And then ba-boom, festivals canceled. No more shows. School is going virtual for the rest of the semester. We have to go home. We have to cover our mouths in public. Toilet paper. Where are you going to get it? Um, yeah, this, um, all this was happening around the, the middle of March. Um, COVID-19, the pandemic. Um, yeah, I, I, I just like remember, um, it was so sp spring break had happened and, uh, I, I was just like sticking around. I was just going to like work on music do whatever um maybe like work a little bit here and there um 
Yeah, like just just because like uh supposed to also go to Buku Festival in New Orleans that next weekend. So just like say it's saving money, energy, and fun. Um, and yeah, like uh cor- coronavirus was already going on at this time in other parts of the world. Um, and I was like following it a little bit throughout January and February, but um, it seemed like it was just happening in China, and I was just thinking like, oh, this is um you know some problem that uh, or it's just like an- another problem that uh won't touch the states and um yeah lo and behold like halfway through my uh spring break um seen festivals here and there getting canceled eventually buku got canceled um and then i got word that um the rest of my semester at belmont uh, the the rest of my time at Belmont University as a student was going to be uh, virtual. And um, the the last weekend of my senior year spring break, I had plans to visit home and surprise my mom because it was her birthday on the 14th of March. And yeah, I, I, I did that. And at, at first it was like, um, oh, um, and okay, okay, I probably should mention this, but at first it was like, oh, so school is going to be online for a couple of weeks, and then it was like, okay, we're gonna like maybe try it again, like midway through April, and it just kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed until ultimately it was like, okay, we are finishing out the semester, um, in the comfort of our own homes over Zoom. We love Zoom, so yeah, and then. Yeah, just everything um, snowballed, and I realized that this wasn't, like, a a temporary issue. Um, COVID-19 had already, like, made its mark on American soil and was going everywhere. And, yeah, like, so, like, with that, it was just, like... um, you know, uncertain when things would uh, return to normal and we would get back to our regularly scheduled programming. And um, what, what what that meant for me was like, you know, shows are canceled. Um, the the quintessential space where we experience and celebrate music, and like, okay, th- thinking about it, like fundamentally um music is it's it's a lot of different things and it's been a lot of different things throughout history like you know i'm, I'm thinking back to like or I'm, I'm thinking like to like the cavemen and like tribal sectors of life it's a um it's like a it's a form of communication like music has been used in like ceremonial settings over the years and yeah like i mean like fast fast forwarding to like the 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 renaissance period um you know you you'd you'd hear people like beethoven and mozart um like playing the piano in person and you know you'd also like you know like, like a symphony orchestra you would it was a show that you would go and see so like music is a very like communal thing and um you know fast fast forwarding today it's um a lens for people to experience life through um like 
Music is happening in the background when you're with your friends having fun experiencing life. Music is um, a, a vessel to experience and enjoy when your favorite artists in the form of a concert. So, yeah, it's just this it's it's this art it's this experience that is um shared with people in person and um all of a sudden that vanished in an instant and um yeah it was like what what did we have at that point um you know all, all we could do was like enjoy music from you know our our phones or ipods and um, yeah, it was just like really, really weird for me because um, the like my my entire plan and especially my um, my end to having a career in the music industry and like the the closest um, tangible starting point which for me was going to be like um, working in the live sector, taking gigs here and there, and maybe like trying to get in at some uh, production facility. Um, that was gone. And, um, you know, also we were watching the industry change right in front of our very eyes. And just like everything we knew about it changed. And like, you know, the the space where we would enjoy music together, um, like a, a, a concert that became, we would be together in the form of like our, our faces on a camera and like seeing the performer on a screen rather than in person in the form of live streams. Also, um, for, for anyone who like, doesn't really, know how like money works in the music industry um especially for artists um live shows and touring is really how like one of one of like the top ways that you get paid and um so like with that being gone not only is it hard to like make money as an artist um but like you also um you know artists aren't able to afford um like the the expenses to like get their music recorded and mixed so it was just like a very um it was a very strange time it was very like what's next and you know not only that but um this was like the very first um like borderline catastrophic experience that I had lived through. Um, like my, my parents had, uh, the Vietnam war, um, nine 11 and the recession in 2008, which like both of those things, like, yeah, while I was alive during, I didn't really like remember them all that much. So yeah, this was the very first huge world event that I was living through. And then Fast forward to May, you had um, the the protesting and unrest from all the police brutality that was happening. Like, it was just wild. Like, here I was not only watching everything I knew about how my career would go change, but also, like, borderline watching, like, almost like watching society collapse. Like, here we were seeing that, like, I, I don't know, COVID 
COVID has taught me a couple things. It's that like nothing, uh, nothing is sacred. Nothing is secure and it could all change in an instant. And, you know, it was also like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Like there were already political parties, but I think like COVID really like hit the nail in the coffin for like just how divided a lot of our few viewpoints were like here were um government officials and especially like our president at the time like saying that um this like big like global catastrophe that was going on is a hoax and not true and you know like here were like a lot of people like you, you know, as you, you can probably relate to this, but like, you know, when we were supposed to be wearing masks, I was seeing a lot of mouths. So it was just like ah, crazy. It's like, who do you trust? What do you believe? And um, yeah, it was it was wild. And just like it, it just like wasn't easy to focus on my goals and aspirations. Um, Like I like a, a lot of last year, I was just like at home um and like by by home i was like uh for really like the first couple months of pandemic i was uh at my home in carmel indiana with my tra- childhood home with my mom and little brother which uh by the way that was actually like a pretty nice time that i cherish and look back on and um you know i was fortunate to be able to like uh na- navigate the beginning stages of the pandemic like quite smoothly and like get get to be with both of them because um you know we're all like off in our separate ways uh my older brother he is off on his own he has a job i'm off on my own i have a job little brother's in college so it was nice to like get to be together and have that family time and i got to like celebrate my birthday with my family for the first time in four years so yeah that was great but um, after, after that, I, I went back to Nashville, like towards the end of May and I don't know, basically it was just like, um, it's not, was not working at the time. It's getting those government coupons. Um, just because I really like, wasn't sure what to do next. Like everything, like my whole plan was dismantled. It was pretty much just like, uh, killing time with my friends, trying to make sense of all this. And yeah, like basically um was almost like starting from scratch when it came to like um what I was gonna do as a career and yeah I uh I did I didn't work for a while then um come like October I got um a job as a cashier at uh, this restaurant in Nashville called Vui's Kitchen which by the way highly recommend um it's some good uh Vietnamese bites um if you love banh mi sandwiches if you love pho if you love uh spring rolls uh they're called summer rolls there um you love dumplings uh it's it's just like an awesome place one of my favorite restaurants in nashville uh loved working there um highly recommend um so yeah i was pretty much just um there because um you know, obviously like it wasn't safe to, um, gather in person for concerts and stuff. And, you know, like a lot of, a lot of other people were trying to like navigate the pandemic and like, you know, probably like didn't have the the time or energy to take a newcomer to the industry under their wing and like, you know, mentor them and help them navigate it. So it was just like really weird 
and like a lot a lot of unknown um so like um i worked at so i I worked at vui's from october of last year to um august of uh this year and um was pretty much there as i was uh you know waiting for this pandemic to fizzle out and um you know luckily um the the vaccination came around um like um i'm i'm not i'm not sure when exactly it came around but um i got it like towards the end of april of this year and yeah um we were you know seeing shows start to come back like little by little from like drive-ins to reduced capacity shows to um ultimately like full-scale concerts and festivals once again at um the expense of a ticket but also uh, showing you know your proof of vaccination or um proof of a negative covid test within the past 72 hours before the show which um if you ask me if that's the price for getting to experience or getting to have like the the musical experience that we all know and love and like sign me up um yeah i don't know why everyone's making such a fuss about it um yeah so um come like summer of 2021 um i don't know i, I feel like I, I i don't know what exactly it was and like i'm still like out here trying to reposition but um so Throughout the pandemic, um, you know, it's like stuck at home, stuck in my room. And, um, you know, all I could do was just like work on the music that I'd been working on for a while and, you know, trying to learn all I can about mixing and mastering. And, um, well, I actually, um, you know, it was, it was great. And, you know, I was, Looking back on it, I actually like kind of lucky to kind of, you know, d despite how everything was, it was nice to sort of have a buffer between <clears throat> college and really hitting the ground running, finding a music industry job, because I kind of got to kick back, relax, take some time for myself, um, maybe like address some uh, personal issues that maybe like had to take a backseat just because I was like so busy with... Um, school and getting good at all my crafts and um i also kind of had some time to like figure out what i wanted to do um like really like what i wanted to explore and um i realized that um like there there, there were some sectors of the music industry that i still wanted to explore um one of them being video game sound design uh, that's an area that I'm really interested in. Um, just like one being a gamer myself, rise up. And, um, also like being a whiz at sound design. I think like both of those go hand in hand. So, and also like, uh, another thing, like touching on the music industry as we know it changing, like, you know, it's I I don't know what the future is going to look like. I don't know what the next pandemic is going to look like or when it's going to be. Um, but um, we have to face that 
technology is touching all wakes of life and like slowly but surely in many ways we are like shifting into a we're, we're shifting into the digital world like whether it be um you know spend, spending a lot of your time and like having like a lot of your work being on a computer or like you know spending a lot of time in vr which is virtual reality like we're i i don't know what reality is going to look like in however long but we're many sectors of our life are shifting to the the digital realm and like i especially saw that with um all like the virtual shows and live streams that happened while we couldn't gather in person um and yeah it, it was just like a lot of things and like you know i'm 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 curious now how like i'm i'm curious now like what role live streams and virtual concerts are going to play and i feel like we haven't seen the last of it and um you know so, some something about that um despite how sad it was there was also some beauty in um live stream concerts um for starters it was kind of nice to go to a concert from the comfort of your bedroom you could wear whatever you want you could kick back and relax didn't have to um squirm through the crowd to go to the bathroom and um you know also like a, a lot of a lot of artists starting out um you know have really like used the internet to their advantage um you know with 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 stuff like soundcloud um we're able to like be our in 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 ways i don't know if like be our own label is the right word but like with 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 things like soundcloud we can like soundcloud and like having like daws at our disposal like we're able to like do the whole music making process on our own and like upload it and distribute it on our own. And like with social media, we can, you know, do the promotion on our own. And like, yeah, a lot of artists starting out use those tools to their advantage. And like, I've, I've heard a lot about artists who like, they've like met like collaborators online, whether it be through like discord or other forums. And I, I, I feel like, have having concerts and festivals online sort of uh went went hand in hand with that the concept of like using the internet to your advantage it was very like symbiotic and um you know there there were like there were quite a few virtual festivals with like you know artists with like less than 10k followers on like whatever platform and like a lot of artists who like normally wouldn't like who at the time like normally wouldn't get that uh recognition that you could get from like a fully fledged music festival and yeah it was just like great exposure for a lot of um up and comers and you know also it was like there there was like a heightened sense of connection between artists and fans like i know like a lot of artists who you know did like production live streams um they did live streams like listening to people's beats and giving them feedback and yeah like the internet like gave us that 
sense of connection in a weird way that we lost from not being able to gather in person. So it was just like really strange yet really interesting. And I'm excited to see where that goes. And sorry, circling back to video game sound design, like with 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 that development and with like the the real world being so volatile and dangerous, like the virtual world is um, the next frontier i could say and i feel like um i I feel like video games will always have room to advance and grow and there will be like more of a need for work in that sector and um like that's partially why i'm really interested in video game sound design i feel like it's something to uh pay attention to um so yeah and uh another sector i'm actually really interested in um Despite having worked on like the technical side of things most of uh, my time here in Nashville and at Belmont so far, I'm also like really interested in event promotion and booking. Um, just because like um, me, I'm e- even if like I'm doing technical work, I'm very interested in the content itself. Um, and like the music that's happening and i really want to like have a hand in that and like curating that um creative space and i feel like booking and promotion really like serves that purpose and i really want to get experience in that so so like yeah like it's 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 interesting like here here i am um you know back to like somewhat normality and like now like i want to do like different things than i wanted to before the pandemic so i'm hoping to yeah get get experience in those sectors and like i'm kind of still like navigating things and figuring it out um also um another thing that's kind of come up with just like the past the past year or so um like i've I've realized how much I value um, getting to do what I love and getting good at my passions more than um, paycheck and security. Um, I don't know. I think that um, at at, le- at least for me, um, happiness is doing what I love, doing what I am good at and I enjoy and um embracing those talents and you know sharing those experiences with others and um as as someone who has been um out of college now working full time for like almost a year um it's really hard to like balance the two like um i remember with buoys and like part of why i um left after a while was just like you know after like being at a busy restaurant for like eight hours a day i would just like be exhausted and you know it was hard to like find the energy to work on music and you know educate myself and other things such as like mixing skills and uh, i was also like trying to build a pc so like learning about that um and like um I'm not saying um like don't don't get a job and be a bum but um ca- kind of what I'm trying to do is um 
make enough to get by, pay my bills, keep gas in my car, roof over my head, food on the table, get my basic needs, maybe have like a little bit of leftover for fun and savings. Um, just like do, uh, I don't know if the minimum is right, the right word, but just like do, do what I need to do to accomplish that, but like leave enough room to like go in as much as I can to developing my crafts and my passions. Um, cause I don't know. I, I just think like that's where I am right now. I'm still like learning and still like exploring with, um, these various interests and I'm trying to see like what my calling is and you know, where it will take me. And um, like, yeah, like while, while working at Vui's, I was getting paid well and like, you know, wasn't really worried about making rent or whatever. Like, yeah, as, as I mentioned it, like, I don't know for, for me, I just, I want to be careful with whatever career path I select. Cause it can become very like cyclical and going through the motions and it's easy to get exhausted and kind of like you know, like get through your day and, you know, at the end of the day, you're left with like lower standards for your life. Cause that's all you have the energy to do. Um, which I like, granted, I'm still working on things like time management and organization, like being healthy, but I don't know, just like I've had various experiences in my life and I've been shot down from, uh, like losing my dad and my grandma within a year and a half to living a pandemic that uh, changed everything I thought about how my career was going to go to um, some various uh, medical issues. Just like all, all these things have showed me that like, you know, you can you can try all you want for security and stability, but like nothing is truly sacred. Nothing is 100% safe. Nothing is going to last forever. So like, why not do what you love? And yeah, I'll take any day. I will take, um, a little less security and stability to live a happy and fulfilling life and get to, um, do what I love, which brings us to today um present day um here i am recording this episode for a podcast um don't need to reintroduce since i already did that um so yeah today i am um you know still still like working on some of the things that i mentioned uh, from like networking to like getting experience um as far as like working in the live music sector goes, um, right now, uh, well, right now some of the stuff is on halt. Um, but over the summer, the past three summers, uh, to be exact, um, with the exception of 2020, I worked at Nashville's Ascend Amphitheater, which is, um, it's it's like the uh, premier Live Nation venue for Nashville. I worked done guest services there so that's like scanning tickets answering people's questions um ensuring safety and security at shows and um did that for a couple years and got to be a supervisor this past summer um 
and it's it's definitely been a great place for me um i've met like a lot of uh cool people who um like uh, ascend amphitheater uh, for for a lot of us is sort of a side hustle um like you know we're not working there full time it's a part-time gig but i've met like a lot of cool people who work in like a lot of different sectors of the music industry and it's it's been really awesome um it's it's a great crew every year like people really love the position and love being there and yeah we're just like a very tight-knit family so i've been doing that um i've done some uh mixing work here and there like last year and a little bit of this year uh, i mixed some stuff for one of my uh, little brother's friends who raps uh goes by the name of baba guwap check him out um he's really good and um still still doing the event services stuff at belmont that i mentioned and um right now actually i am i have a remote job i'm working with warby parker which is a um prescription glasses company um they also have non-prescription glasses but um it's a really interesting company it's kind of a one-stop shop you can get prescription glasses non-prescription glasses sunglasses you can get eye exams there um definitely check it out if you're trying to get some glasses but i i'm a customer experience advisor so i am answering phone calls fulfilling orders helping people with issues um the whole the whole shebang but it's really cool because i get to do it from the comfort of my room i get to be with my my good friend sophia uh she's a feline she's great shout out sophia and um it's it's been great because i have a lot of room and a lot of time to like work on the things that i want to do such as like my music and this podcast and yeah just like doing what i need to do to learn and like build a portfolio and like develop my skills and yeah while i'm trying to um you know like keep like trying to reach out to people um it's 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 all a work in progress i think that you know as long as you keep that off keep optimism and hope that the future will be better and like keep keep at it no matter how much you get knocked down then you'll eventually find something um so 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 yeah circling back to the podcast the podcast the why why am i doing this um so I've always I've always had an interest in podcasts. Like I, I love the concept of just having like an open conversation with people and like really getting deep into the nitty gritty. Um and I've I've done like a couple informal podcasts throughout my life. Um but um the the idea came up like around like February maybe. Um I wanted to do a podcast and like have like some of my friends from Belmont and the music industry on there. And actually funny enough, like around the beginning of March, uh, I was with one of my friends and, uh, she was like, uh, you know, you're a great conversationalist. You should start a podcast. And it was funny. Cause it was just like echoing the exact same thoughts that I had. And I knew that it had to be done. So th- that was one of the reasons for starting this. Um, another reason is, um, it's I, I see it as a means to um, not only like meet new people and make new like strong connections, but also like 
stay connected with some of my friends from school. Um, like some, some, something that came with finishing college and especially came with, uh, being in a pandemic, like we're all, um, like a a lot of my friend groups, we're all kind of off now doing our own thing and navigating adulthood and navigating life. And like, we're all like very busy and very wrapped up in our own shit. And it's, it's, it's not like the old times where like we had time to kill together. So I wanted to make this podcast as a means to like stay connected with those friends and, you know, keep in touch. And another reason was I'm still, I'm still young. I'm still learning. And, um, I, I see this podcast as a great way to hear my friends' stories and experiences in their craft and in the music industry so far and to sort of like be able to pick their brains and you know see what I can learn and see what kind of advice they have for myself and for all of you guys and I'm I'm very excited at that prospect and um as of recording this I've done a few episodes so far and it's been amazing and I've learned so much from the guests I've had so far and it's been a beautiful experience and you know also like um i i might come off as an introvert and kind of shy and i might be quiet and awkward at first and uh, no matter how close you'll get to me i'll still be awkward and quirky but um i actually really really love talking to people i enjoy it deeply i love getting to know people and hearing their stories and what better way to do that and what better way to tame my fear of getting close with people and communicating with others than um doing a podcast so yeah those those reasons i just listed are some of the primary reasons why i'm doing this and um like sort of going back to the um you know like the the idea of doing it with friends um you know, there's like the whole concept of like, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And, um, you know, like our, our teachers at Belmont always told us that like, oh, your your peers and your friends are going to be your coworkers. And I don't know. I just like, I love the idea of working with people I like and especially working with my friends. And um, this podcast sort of fulfills that purpose. Um, you know, it, it can be a lot of things. It's uh like a seminar from whoever I have on there. Um, it is, all right, sorry, I just blanked, but yeah, it's just like a great thing to do with friends while growing in the process. And yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about that. And I am excited to see where this goes and we're, we're coming up on three hours now. Um, I don't want to keep you guys for too much longer, but, um, yeah, that is sort of, um, a primer to this podcast, a very long and winded primer to myself and my life story. And yeah, I'm glad I could like, I'm I'm glad I could take this time to sort of, uh, run through my own story and sort of like have myself on my own podcast and, you know, really like retrace the steps of like my experience and how I got to where I am now and 
you know, introduce this podcast and sort of the why to you guys. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see where this goes. I'm looking forward to it. And, um, if you're interested in being on this podcast, um, give me a holler. Um, I'll leave my info, um, somewhere. Um, you'll see it on some sort of post eventually, but yeah, I think, I think I'm outie. Thanks for listening. Looking forward to what the future holds. Um, let's run the intro track. Let's go. Thank you.